Hi, this is Theo, and you are listening to Between Two Trains, a bi-monthly business podcast where we interview the best and brightest entrepreneurs in the North Cab area. Today, your host is Van Pappas of Oxygen Financial and special guest Mark Berkey of Oxygen Financial. And now, another episode of Between Two Trains. Okay, welcome to Between Two Trains, a business podcast that comes to you twice a month. And today we got a guest from Jewel Creations, um, and we'll bring her on in a second. And again, for the second episode in a row, I got my good friend Mark Berkey as my co-host. Mark, welcome again to the show. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing well. Glad to be here. So last uh, episode, we introduced you and we talked about Oxygen Financial. But uh, this episode, I wanted to get back to our Entrepreneur Talk section. And um, this, this week, I wanted to talk about business wills. You know, we have a lot of business owners listening to the show um, small business owners. And um, tell us, Mark, exactly what is a business will? What, what it really does is it says what happens in the event of your death? What do you want to have happen to your business? But the other aspect that comes into a buy-sell agreement or the sort of what I call the estate planning documents for, for business is if the owner is disabled, Who's going to run the business and keep it going so that once the owner's rehabilitated and can come back to work, there's still a business to come back to? So I think that's so important. I think a lot of times business owners are so driven by running their business that they forget about the, the risk part of it or the back end part of it. As you said, what happens if they become disabled? They're the primary worker. They're driving the business. And now what happens? So... Um, So, yeah, I think this is a a great topic and one that all business owners probably should reach out to someone like yourself as a financial advisor to help them with. But besides that, would they also need a lawyer to come into this arrangement? Yes, because we don't do the legal work, but we connect them, whether it's with their own attorney or attorney in our network, because you want to have the attorney do it because each state's laws are specific. And so I always bring in attorneys to make sure that it's done properly. And uh, that way you can breathe easier. Well, that's great. And and I think uh, those of you listening to the show, uh, reach out to, to Mr. Berkey here, and he can fill you in more about how to go through that process of creating your business will and buy-sell agreement, disability, and whatnot. So you're listening to Between Two Trains. You can hear us on all kinds of sources like iTunes, and we announced last episode that we got picked up by Google Play Music, which we're really excited about. We uh, come to you every month from the Shambly Chamber of Commerce offices, and so we're so excited about what's going on in downtown Shambly. If you haven't been to downtown Chambly recently, you should take a look. A lot of exciting things going on. We're going to take a short break and bring you our sponsors, a word from our sponsors, and come back to you with Jewel Creations. Stay tuned. Do you want to get on the freight train of social media marketing? Go to www.turnsocialintosales.com. Use the code Chambly to get $100 off to the single best two-day social media boot camp you will ever attend. Are you tired of not getting leads on LinkedIn or Facebook? 
SEO not working, or figuring out how to get on TV and radio and much more. Go to www.turnsocialintosales.com for a two-day boot camp special for Shambly. Use the code Shambly for $100 off. Go to turnsocialintosales.com today. Welcome back to Between Two Trains. Thank you to our sponsors. And uh, we have Kathy Konev from Jewel Creations on the show today. Uh, Kathy does uh, um, a variety of things with jewelry, uh, design, appraisals, all kinds of great stuff. Kathy, welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks for inviting me. All right. Um, so, Kathy, tell us about your business. When did it start? You've been around for a while now, right? 1983. 1983. Here in the Atlanta area the whole time, or were you somewhere oh, yeah. else? Mostly Atlanta area. Okay. All right. So, um, you're, you do custom designs, right? What, what would be considered a custom design? Rings, jewelry? You do it all, or...? Well, I mostly design in jewelry, okay. which is rings, earrings, pendants, anything. And I usually take the client's jewelry and remake it, or I can buy new, th- you know, we can purchase new things and, you know, make it with new stones. So if my wife wanted to take her engagement ring, you could take that, take the stone out of the engagement ring and make something fabulous for her. Right. So where are you current? You currently have a physical location. It's here in Chambly. You're on Shalford. Yep, I'm on Shelford Road. Okay, and you've been there for how long? 16 years, 15 years. Okay. Now, why why there? Is there something particular that you said this is a good place for this or just close to home? Or? Uh, closer to home. Decided not to be in Buckhead anymore because I had a jewelry store in Buckhead for 18 years. Okay. And uh, decided not to, decided to quit doing. I'm assuming that the rents in Buckhead front, just yeah. went crazy, right? Well, the rents in um, city of Atlanta started charging a lot more money for their um, business licenses and all that stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. What actually got you into the to going out on your own, as opposed to working for somebody else? Well, I have a degree in jewelry design and silversmithing from Georgia State University, and when I finished my degree, I decided that I wanted to be doing this for a living rather than being a professor like the rest of my fellow students are now professors across the United States. So instead of doing that aspect of the jewelry business of teaching it, I decided I wanted to make it and have people wear something that they could wear every single day and enjoy. So I, my whole idea was to open the jewelry store. So I've been self-employed basically for over 35 years. And I've always had it in my head to be uh, self-employed because that's what my dad was until a day died. Mm, okay. So that's the idea. That's why. Mm-hmm. So I know you've got all kinds of awards and, and whatnot. Uh, the best use of platinum and color uh, from AGTA in 2016, Spectrum Award, Bridal Honors in 2016, the SWJA Presence Award, the G. JA Design Contest, uh, a couple of years, uh, JA scholarships. They go on and on, and I don't really know what all those letters mean, but right. they sound pretty impressive. So, you know, tell me a little bit about you started the business in the 80s, you've gotten all these awards. You know, where are we today with this? You know, is this something where we've hit the, the critical mass? Or are we sort of you know, what, what's a normal year look for like for you, you know, as far as your business? 
a normal year looks like I do a lot of appraisals, so people bring okay. me their items. So it's not just the jewelry, jewelry design; it's the appraisals right. too. Right, I do a state, do a states a lot. So someone brings in all their family's jewelry, like you know anywhere from five pieces to two hundred pieces. I evaluate and photograph every single piece. They can use it for um, a state evaluation, or for um, or for estate or for insurance purposes whatever purpose the appraisal needs to be that's what i that's what i do and then the other part of what i do is i literally can remake things or do custom designing so i'm a metalsmith as well as the appraisal hat and the reason why i do that is that um when you have a jewelry store you have to have lots of stock and a lot of stuff around i don't i decided to be a private jeweler and not go that direction because in these days, it makes a lot more sense to do that than to do a jewelry store. Because people aren't going to stores anymore. They're going to someone who will take care of them or they're finding on the Internet. You know, just like this podcast, you're going to find it on the Internet. Gotcha. So, so unlike the, the classic Deke Yeller and Son jewelry store, you're saying, you know, people are now moving into more of a personal relationship. Like, you, you'd be like my banker, but for jewelry. Just like what you do, Van. Okay. It's personal. It's Just very like personal. Just like what both of you guys do. Okay. You have to talk to the person one-on-one. Uh, very, a lot of the time when someone comes into my office and I'm looking at their ring, I can tell where it's worn where it needs to be repaired and when I see it in person I can say that particular type of jewelry is not good for you you need something that will stand up to more of the wear that you have and then some people have a very intricate piece of jewelry that hardly looks worn they wear it every single day so everybody has a different way that they wear a piece of jewelry just like you would have the tires in your car so this has to be addressed and you have to see that person in person to be able to tell that it makes sense What's uh, what's been the most exciting piece of jewelry that you designed? Yeah. Well, the Spectrum Award winner that I did a year and a half ago was pretty exciting. I had the stones. There's three rubies, three sapphires, and three um, savorites, and I acquired them one after the other over a five-year, three-year period, and I sat and looked at it for two years. Literally looked at these stones sitting there, you know, next to my desk. I designed the ring three or four times, didn't look right. And then one night, the idea popped into my head, literally in the middle of the night. I woke up, pulled my phone over, drew it on the phone, and then um, got up the next day, ordered the materials, figured it out, ordered the materials, put it together in like two weeks. But it was a (laughs) two-year thought process, literally two-year thought process. And then... um, you know, they have literally, AGTA has literally used that in there. Um, I was just talking to a friend of mine. She says she saw it again in another magazine last week, and that was a year and a half ago. So they're still using my ring as an advertisement for the the, the American Gem trade. So did you make award. this specifically for the contest, or? I made it. You from, just made I it. I made it, yeah. I just and then said, once it was head. made, then you said, hey, I'm going to enter this in the contest? Oh, or? it was too spectacular not to. There's yeah. very few things that are like original designs, because every design out there, you can trace the, the idea of that design back. If not 200 years, I can t- tell you 2,000 years. So every single piece of jewelry that is out there goes back to some design over 2,000 years ago. 
which is my other expertise is ancient jewelry technology. But oh, you and my wife, and my wife's an archaeologist, anthropologist. Yeah. She, was, y'all need to get together and talk. Right. So, um, so this ring, this award-winning ring, do you still have it, or did you I sell it? I still have it. Okay. I still have it. Yeah. So, if I wanted to buy it, what would it cost me? I think it was forty-five thousand. Forty-five thousand. Right. This is one expect Mark. Uh, you got forty five thousand. I can borrow. Spare change. <laughs> we might be able to arrange it. <laughs> yeah. What? What? Um, so let's go back to the appraisals. Right. You know, we talked about. You said you do this, and this intrigues me because you know Mark and I deal with estate a, a planning a lot. Where you know, hey, we've got a client that passed away. You know, uh, I'm de- I'm helping my mother right now. My father passed away three months ago. I'm helping her with her estate. And, you know, she told me that she had this safety deposit box with a bunch of stuff in it. And it's like, okay, well, we need to value whatever's in there. So how much of your business is that? Is that a a bigger part of your business than the actual jewelry design? Or is it just sort of keep the lights on? Or like if I wanted to come in with my estate, Mm -hmm. do you charge a flat fee? fee or how do how do you charge me evaluations on an estate piece depends on how many pieces it is how long it takes me to do it and I have to usually see the pieces to tell because if you have a piece of jewelry that has a stamp in it like as Tiffany's or some higher end piece I got to know where I have to know that it has that stamp in it so usually what it is I have one meeting with a client for $85 and I look at all the pieces and I give you an estimate of what it is I give you a range so it's like you know, six pieces could be $400 to seven, $800 for those six pieces to appraise it. Okay. So, and that's because if I have to go look up federal trademarks, I got to find out where that piece came from. A lot of times I contact the person who made it originally, and I have to find out what their evaluation is on it. Just like if someone saw one of my pieces and it has my name in it and my two federal, I had two federal trademarks, and the federal trademark will be in there. An appraiser can look at that and say, that piece of jewelry has a federal trademark in it, and they can actually find me through the, the federal trademark website. Look me up, call me up, and say, how much would you charge to replace that item? Because I'm a designer, and I'm a known designer, and I have these big awards, it, they have to come to me. They can't go to a normal jeweler and say, how much would you cost, how much do you charge to replace that? If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So it, every item depends on what it is. I mean, if it's something really simple and it's a gold chain, it can be $40 to appraise it. But if it's a complex piece, it can be hundreds of dollars. Right. Because so, it, it's a time. So if we've got clients that have, I'm just thinking back when my um, my dad's been gone 17 years, but my mom um, has been six, and we looked at jewelry that we didn't even know was there. And I don't really know who it who belonged, who it was, um, or who owned it. Right. But we're looking at that, and I don't think anything's there. But it may be worth me coming in and having you look at it. Yeah, I did an estate for a client two years ago. To, uh, uh, a lawyer came to me with uh, 400 pieces of jewelry. It was a big box. It was four, uh, two feet tall, two feet wide, two feet to big stuff full of stuff most of it was costume jewelry i could i went went through the entire box forensically and the costume jewelry was all line you know in sections and there was a handful of fine jewelry that was in there that was very dirty and didn't look very good two pieces turned out to be platinum and very nice and those three pieces basically pay for the entire appraisal 
of the, all the rest of the costume jewelry because it took me a month to do it. So I cleaned it and found out that those three pieces were very fine. I can forensically look at something and tell by the way um, something is, what the stone looks like, in the condition of the ring, the stamps inside the ring, and what it looks like to tell approximately what the age is. Okay. And a lot of times my clients can figure out who it was that owned it originally by that dating, approximate dating. So just to recap to make sure I got it right. So you, someone comes in, they have estate stuff. Mm-hmm. For $85, you'll give them an assessment and say, okay, you know, to, to appraise this batch of stuff, right. it's going to cost X, depending on how much time you think it's right. going to take exactly. you to do I that. I mean, it could be one piece that's $85. We've already established that. We're and done. boom, you're done. Right, exactly, or less, depending on how much time it right. takes me. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. So now, is this just you, or are there any uh, employees or family members working with you? Or nope, just me. Just you. So um, you, you, the storefront, is it one where, like, just people off the street could come in, or are you, like, an appointment only? Uh, how does your store work? Appointment only. Appointment Call only. me first. Don't drop by. Call okay. me first in all, you know, all circumstances. Or yeah. email me. Call mm-hmm. me. Email me. What's the best way to reach you? Put it in there now. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We usually say this. We usually <laughs> ask end. at the end. But right. go ahead. What's what's the best way for people uh, to reach you? Well, kkdev at jewelcreations.com or go to my website, www.jewelcreations.com or 404-634-8355. Great. Well, you've been listening to Between Two Trains, a business podcast, and we come to you from the uh, beautiful offices of the Chambly Chamber of Commerce. Got one question. What would you tell a potential entrepreneur what's the most important thing to do when starting a business? I know it's been a long time since you started your business, but think back. What would be the most important thing? I help thing? other people start businesses, too. So um, I, I tell people to be patient, um, pay attention, and hire someone for something you can't do. And that means accountants, lawyers, whatever it is, and don't go Financial planners. Financial planners, yeah. (laughs) Don't go cheap. Just hire the best person you got, hire the best lawyers, whatever. Just don't skimp on that part. You will not be, you'll be happy. Great advice. Well, going with that same question, what would, when thinking back to when you started, what would you say the biggest challenge? Because you may have answered this with some of what you just said, but what was the biggest challenge when you opened your business? Uh, the fact that I didn't have a graduate gemology degree and people were bringing in stones from other parts of the world and they couldn't speak English very well and they couldn't tell me what it was. So I'm looking at a, a stone from some other country and I didn't know what it was, so I had to acquire a lot of education I'm a GG and I'm an FG. I'm a fellow of Geomological Association from Great Britain, and I'm a graduate gemologist. And I teach gemology. So um, as part of my donation to my community is I teach gemology. So um, you have to know that have that advanced education to do what I do. And it made a big difference to become those, get those degrees. So, you know, um, how when you in our world as financial planners one of the big uh degrees is the certified financial planning degree the cfp and uh you know as a cfp i know sometimes i have clients that specifically want 
to you someone who has that behind there. Anyone can hang a shingle saying they're a financial advisor, but there's, you know, a special something. So is that similar to what you're talking about? People come to you and say, hey, I don't want just anyone. I want someone with those letters, those degrees. Right. Well, that's that's for gemology, but for appraisal, Uh that's different. I'm National Association of Jewelry Appraisers. Um, in that you go through pretty much every couple of every three years I do a specific thing for color uh, have my color vision my color vision tested every three years so that I can see color and they also have criteria that I send appraisal into them to make sure that I write the appraisal okay I do is personal property so it doesn't have quite as many um, like if you're doing real estate, you have to have a certain certified appraiser because the state certifies those. Uh, jewelry appraisal is uh, personal property appraising, so it's different. But I have more credentials than most people do in that. So, yeah, so that's, you know, I'm National Association of Jewelry Appraisers plus the two geomology degrees. Well, it sounds like you've got all kinds of credentials. I'm very impressed with that. I'm impressed with all the awards you've won. Um, and obviously, I will be coming to you personally myself uh, with any of my clients that need those appraisals done. Um, we are going to move into uh, our last section of the podcast that we call Hot or Not. And if I, I believe you've listened to the show before, so you know we ask the the guest a couple of phrases and we say, you know, ask them to tell us if they think this is a hot thing or not such a hot thing. So I'll get us started here, Mark. Networking, um, CEO roundtables, they have all these things that you can go to to network and interact. You know, is that, are these events, these networking events uh, and these networking groups, hot thing or not such a hot thing? Is it something you would do? Uh, I've done it a couple of times. I like it. It's a good thing. So I think it's lukewarm. She didn't actually. Okay, I was going to say she didn't actually <laughs> say hot. So lukewarm. 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 Then um, what about marrying an entrepreneur? Oh, we marrying asked. Entrepreneur. Yeah, we asked uh, this last week. <laughs> oh, that's extremely hot. Yeah. <laughs> yes, got to do it. Got got to marry <laughs> an right. entrepreneur. Now, is you, is your significant other an entrepreneur as well? Uh, he's an actor, so there you go. Okay. <laughs> it's eternally a of, optimism, you know, or, eternal optimist, you know? Yeah. I mean, seriously. Well, I love asking every guest, especially ones that live or work in the Chambly area, this next hot or not, and that's just simply downtown Chambly. Uh, I don't have anything to say about that except extremely hot and woohoo, go Chambly. <laughs> I think this is the first guest we've ever had that's given us a woo-hoo, so I'm impressed with the woo-hoo. And then what about art incubators? Yeah, that's an interesting. So, you know, being in the jewelry business, you're just kind of an artist, so to speak. You know, um, a lot of communities are creating these art incubators that gives artists a place to come and and practice and do their stuff and it, a lot of it's more paint related but right. you're seeing sculptures and yeah. I'm curious if if you're noticing jewelry in that art world or is that really a separate division I from see art? It at Spruill Art Center which is not Shambly. No but Spruill's a great place. I, right yeah, exactly. It's great. I see it at um, you know pl- places around us for jewelry but not for that. Mm-hmm. They're extremely hot. It's a fantastic thing. But it's not for jewelers as much. You have to go to, you know, Spruill or um, Callenwald or there's various places around Atlanta that you can go for that. Okay. All right. And what would you say to somebody who's talking about turning a hobby into a business? 
Uh, absolutely possible. You can do it. But if you look at anything that you do, it takes 4,000, how many hours was it? 10,000 hours. That's right, to become proficient at what you do. So whatever you do, you need to make a serious commitment to it. That's the main deal. Yeah. If you're going to go from a hobby to a business, it's not for the faint of heart, because being an entrepreneur is not for the faint of heart, but it's extremely rewarding because you do it all yourself. But when you started, you went right into it. It wasn't something, was it something you were doing on the side as a hobby before you started your business, or you pretty much said, I'm starting this business right away? No, I was straight into being a yeah, business. Straight business. It was not yeah, a hobby. And I worked for other people at the same time. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I did both at the same time because it's you, it was very it's very hard to break into. I, I always mm-hmm. find it interesting people who have these hobbies and then want to say, okay, I want to take it from a hobby to a business, in it, you know, because it is a challenging thing. You said that the time and the hours to become proficient, but then it's like, when do you place that capital and say, I'm gonna I'm gonna make that leap, quit my job, and actually do this as a real business rather than just something on the the side? We've We've talked with yeah. other people, you know, who do beer and they do it, right. you know, in their house. And it's like, all right, when do I make that jump from I'm brewing beer in my house to I'm actually brewing beer? Well, that's where you hire an accountant. You crunch the numbers and then you, 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 you work that out. You do a business plan, which is the best thing to do. SBA has some fantastic resources on business plans. I haven't checked in the last 10 years, but they did a while back. And, you know, that's what you do. You go, you do your planning, which is. You talk to other people. You can talk to people for free. You can also hire people to help you out. The main thing when you're doing a hobby to a business, that's it's just um, you have to make that decision of how much of a pay cut you want. You know, how much pay, how, how much pay cut can you stand? You have to have money saved up. That's all there is to it. But I didn't do it from – I did not do that from, a, you know, I was a needle – I did needlepoint when I was a kid – when I touched metal, it was over. So I knew that was what I was going to do. So I went straight really? into metal. Really? Okay. Yeah, when I touched metal at Georgia State, I did a jewelry class at Georgia State. I was going to be a painter. And you were just hooked. No, I was it. I was done. That was it. Metal's my thing. So touching metal. It, it and then, called to you. It was your siren. It said that. I wasn't calling. I touched it. <laughs> okay. Gold. 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 Anyway, yeah. Is, so, is there really, I mean, do you find one metal over the other, or you just work, I mean, you work with anything, right? Well, I'm a master platinum smith, a master goldsmith, but gold is my first love, and platinum's my second, but platinum's one, I'm known for that, I'm known for both, but it's, you know, the man, it's, it has its own thing, but it was, you know, like I said, it wasn't a hobby, it was just, I just went straight into it, I didn't, yeah. didn't pass go or anything on <laughs> that, I just went straight into it, but if you're doing a hobby, and you're doing it on the side, there's a trillion resources out there. A lot of places to sell on the internet. I'm not good at that. I'd rather sell in person. So there's various places in Atlanta you can sell. You can consign your work to various places. As a jeweler, you can do that also. So you more of your selling is that way as opposed to online. Oh, I, my um, items are for sale in New York City. I don't have anybody in Atlanta right now, but in New York City. Yeah. Um, because that's you have a gallery there. So uh, let's let's talk about this for a second. I know clients. we're at the end of our show, but I'm yeah. I'm curious to know. You said you know you, you don't sell really online because that's not your thing. You know, do you feel like it's just because of hey I'm I'm timid about online, or you know, do you think if you had someone helping you with the online piece of it, a partner so to speak, that could really blow up your your business and expand it from more than what you're doing or you just 
you know, okay, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm going to do. Well, I would love that. I just haven't put my focus on that, mm-hmm. you know, on focus on trying to sell online. Um, being an appraiser refers back into my, you know, making things and designing things. And the one thing I see is that there's price points you have to meet. And I'm not real interested in meeting certain price points to sell lots of items. I don't want to make 500 of anything. I'm not going to make six of anything. I usually make one of something. <laughs> and, and then I follow it up with a different design if I'm doing the art jewelry. Well, so with unique stuff different. like that, that would tend, I mean, I would believe that I would tend to say that they're uh, higher priced items because they're unique, they're one of a kind, rather than like you said, 500 of the same thing that I'm going to sell for 49.95. Right. So did you... Did you say you're in, like, a jewelry store in New York, or is it more of an art gallery? I'm in an art gallery in New York City. Okay. That's what I thought yeah, I yeah, just said. And so a, your pieces are there. Jewelry, but it's, yeah, yeah. And there's various places in Atlanta that sell, too. But I've, and I've been in galleries off and on for 30 years, 35 years. So it's really looking at a unique clientele that's more going into the art gallery looking for your work Correct. and your pieces, which right. are unique. Right. Okay. Yeah. What's the okay. most expensive piece of jewelry you've ever made yeah made sold i mean what are we talking about you mentioned the the uh the award-winning piece was what you said forty-five thousand or something you know have we ever topped forty-five thousand? Hundred forty-five thousand. Hundred and for one piece of jewelry right. hundred and forty-five thousand. that's incredible yeah that's really it impressive incredible. <laughs> <Beautiful>. <laughs> that's impressive was well, that a ring or was that what it was a ring yeah okay yeah. it was a ring that is one awesome Beautiful. ring. It was. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Well, you've been listening to Between Two Trains. We come to you twice a month, and we've had uh, Kathy Kanev from Jewel Creations. Uh, Kathy, you mentioned earlier your, your contact information. One more time, uh, if they want to make an appointment with you, who, where do they call? What's the number? Uh, Kathy Kanev, 404-634-8355. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the show. And, uh, Mark, thank you again for two episodes in a row being my co-host. Any parting words? Just glad to be here and keep making the uh, unique designs. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. All right, well, thank you for listening, and stay tuned. Next month we got more great guests coming to us, and as always, you can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud or our website, betweentwotrains.com. That's the number two, trains.com. (laughs) 